from Parts Unknown. This is the Art of Floundering Podcast. Wishing each and every one of you nothing but peace and love. Peace and love. Welcome to the Art of Floundering Podcast. My name is Will Dick. I'm the host of this here clam bake, man. This is episode three in our ongoing series, Countdown This Soon, which is an attempt to chronicle, quote, life following a traumatic and debilitating accident. The title of this episode is The Corporate Reach Around. But before we go back in time, I hope you'll indulge me. I'd like to update you on kind of my current status. Today's date is the 15th of August, 2022. On September 26, 2022, I'm scheduled to have a surgery at CU Medical. The surgery title, or name of surgery, excuse me, is a T10 to pelvis posterior fusion and T12 to L2 pedicle screw fixation. Apparently, it's a complicated surgery that requires two doctors and eight hours of time. Very thankful that we're getting closer. Last Friday, which I believe was the 12th, I had a pre-surgical appointment at CU Medical, and that's in Denver, and this is Canyon City. Because travel is so hard on me, man, I I drove to, to, like, they had a hotel, like, right by the clinic, you know, the hospital, the CU Denver, dude. I mean, it's uh, University of Colorado, uh, it's the, the it's their hospital, so it's, it's CU Colorado University University of Colorado Medical Center. So anyway, and there's like a donor name to it too, but I have a hard time pronouncing it, so I'm not even gonna try. Anyway, luckily it was like I have points from my previous life when I used to travel all the time, so I still have like Marriott points, you know? And so I had enough points to get like a hotel room. It was really neat, man, because you see, I don't have an opportunity to get out, therefore I don't have an opportunity to, to speak to people or, more importantly, listen to someone. I'm very careful when I go to doctor's appointments not to talk their ear off, man. But sometimes I screw up, and I'll tell you about that in a second. So anyway, what was cool about the hotel, uh, not cool, I don't know what it was. It felt like home because there were a lot of people in my situation, and they were all in the lobby. So I had a chance to visit with some people that were, you know, you know, messed up like me, you know. Very similar stories, you know. There's also a children's hospital. I mean, the the part of the medical center includes like a children's hospital. And this is like a this is like I just got lucky, man, because you know this particular medical center is like the place for what I'm getting done. So I'm very thankful. So I decided to stay there the night before so I can somewhat rest my back, man. 
my impressions of the hospital really cool, man, because in particular they had valet parking, and I didn't have to go very far from there to get to my appointments. First, the pre-surgical appointment, which turned out to be like three appointments in one, was with the surgeon. First, I met with the nurse practitioner. And she was really cool. She was asking about, she was trying to ask a question about if I was having trouble falling down. And I said, no, but I'm having problems like, you know, with stuff with my John, my little fireman. And she goes, well, that's good to know. And she went back to the fucking thing. So anyway, but then I met the surgeon and this guy was really super, super cool. I'm not going to share any of their names until I get permission. But this guy's a, you know, he's a badass doctor. What I really dug was he had like sleeve tattoos, man. And, uh, you know, what kind of got them excited, man. And I, I don't know what they normally get there was this girl that was part of their their team and it's a multi it's a multi-team approach so i met different members of the team in one setting it was really interesting one of the people of the staff was this uh, research analyst kind of person and uh so she came to me in between you know seeing like the doctor between the nurse practitioner and the doctor she came in and she goes you know we think you're a perfect candidate for a couple of our studies and I'm like man I'll do anything to help you know so um she was like surprised and really happy so I filled out paperwork and then they they brought in like a w-2 and I said I don't want to get paid for this and she goes she goes well we gotta pay you and I go it just feels greasy to take money for for helping somebody help others right but they told me they got a way you can donate it so that's what I'm gonna do with it but so anyway that's a little bit of a backstory so meeting with the doctor a couple things that that really impressed me was he was pretty much man I'm used to him and in Han just real super caution this guy's about moving forward like for example he goes you know i'm not showing any signs of bone infection but i had one before so it's a concern he goes look when i if i open you up and there's any sign of bone infection i'm like holy fuck here we go it'll be like three more years he goes we'll close you up put you on antibiotics and bring you back in in eight weeks and start over and so that's pretty cool the surgery okay so i you know i met with them and then i met with the anesthesiologist i found out that i have uh not i don't think anymore but a potassium deficiency and they were kind of concerned they called me up in the car and they're like hey man you know we called in this uh supplement but if you feel that you get them to the emergency room immediately. See, the problem with my situation, at least for me, is I feel really horrible every day. I It's almost like something needs to be removed for me to notice, uh, uh, you know. So I didn't feel anything odd except there was this, you know, because they were talking about heart flutters, right? And, uh, there, you know, I thought there was a couple of times I breathed deep and I thought maybe these fucking edibles, you know, but anyway, so they got me on a potassium supplement and interestingly enough, I'm, you know, I still got pain and shit, but I feel much better than I have. And so, you know, I'm so glad we did blood work, man. So anyway, I followed up with a doctor. So that's kind of where we're at. We're on top with the surgery, everything's scheduled, more to come with that, man. So. Now, title of this is the corporate reach around. 
allow me to throw in a couple of disclaimers that are important. I may get into things um, that might seem unfair and, and things of that nature. Um, I may talk about my emotions at the time, what I felt like. I want to be clear on the, the things that I'm going to go over in this episode. I've forgiven, I've made peace, I've moved on. I can't allow any of this to impact me. Okay, where we left off in episode two was my first surgery. I was back home, and I realized it was going bad. And I was getting inklings that perhaps my employer was not going to be, you know, up front. And so, to my, to my shock... I'll be honest with you. To my shock, my there's a several there's processes in this, but my initial workman's claim comp uh, got um, denied, and it was really frustrating to me because I was reading the things they said, and they were just bald-faced fucking lies, man. It was like, for example, this was a you know on call twenty-four-seven. We did national tech support type shit, and downtime could result in millions of dollars of lost revenue. And excess costs and all this kind of shit. So it's not a very uh, downtime tolerant environment. We're short staffed. We're going through all kinds of things. And so I talked about this in an earlier podcast. I was a manager, but I didn't have any staff. And the one guy that could handle this thing, this this program that went kaput and was causing a national outage, was like calling me up all day Saturday going, dude, I got to go on vacation. You know, I can't, you know, you got to find somebody. Uh, and I said, well, look, dude, are you, can you come in a couple hours on Sunday just to kind of bring me up to speed? And he goes, sure, man. No, 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 excuse me. He said he couldn't come in on Sunday. So I said, okay. So this, you know, I had a conversation with my boss because we're at a party. So this was something that was known I was going to do. But to read this thing like, oh, I had no idea he was doing this. Uh, no one's allowed in the building unless it's their working hours. I'm like, what? where's this coming from? It was just the most asinine bullshit. Because I've sat in meeting upon meeting where we're getting our ass chewed from people from D.C., man. Going like, you guys are management. You guys are salary. You guys are, you know, you don't, you're not nine to five. We can, you know. And so it's like, it was really disappointing. But I was in this, I was in this situation. I knew my, why I knew, let me explain. After the, 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 the so-called fusion, okay, and I had hardware, like the first week, the first two weeks I was able to walk. After that second week would be the last time I'd be able to walk normally ever again and it was starting to get really really bad the accident was in august the first surgery was in september early august mid-september all that was my vacation and uh sick time just because i couldn't move boom then i could surgery i wasn't released you can't you know it's major fusion it's not going to release me even though my job was sitting down but i knew there was a problem about the second week pain was horrific and as I mentioned before, for some strange reason, these guys always were like on the defensive about, you know, people make exaggerating pain for pain meds. And I didn't, I didn't get any prescriptions from these guys. I, I worked with Brian through, a, you know, dedicated pain management, addiction management specialist. I forgot to mention that, you know, to manage my pain. 
during this time. And I'll talk about it in more detail. But uh, I had a lot of problems with opiates in the past and booze, and you know, really bad. And I cleaned up in 2010, hadn't touched anything since. I was really worried because the level of injury that I had was serious. I couldn't just gut it out. But I also had problems in the past. And I'm going to do a special episode on, you know, pain drugs and stuff so very high level i was working with somebody else who was managing my pain and i trust i trust a guy with my life man he's a great doctor he's a good friend so anyway so moving forward so i'd go into him and ah you know there's nothing wrong with you you know you're just craving pain meds i'm like dude i'm so a couple weeks go past they refuse to admit there's a problem i've we're into november I decide to try to return to work because now I've exhausted all my save vacation, save sick time. It's gone, you know. So if I don't go into work, I'm not going to get paid. And if I don't, you know, I'll get fired. Because, you know, so even though, well, this government service is a process. So anyway, so this is how screwed up I was. I would have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning in order to ice. I would put ice on my butt cheeks. Forgive that medical term. I put ice on my butt cheeks and have to basically from 3 to about 7.30 in the morning to numb it up enough so the sciatica that was shooting down my leg would allow me to move it and it would function enough so I can get to my stroller and shit. All right. I was in a uh, full body, full chest like brace that was this plastic molded thing and a, a, a stroller and it was bad. I remember after about like the second day of being back at work, I started, I don't remember much, man. And uh, a friend of mine, you know, raced me to the ER and they admitted me. And uh, this is November. This is key. This is part of this journey. So they admit me. And, uh, you know, my my first surgeon tells me there's nothing wrong, but he's going to run some tests for a couple days. And his partner will check in with me. He's going to go elk hunting. So this guy says there's nothing wrong. His partner comes in. Three days later, after running massive tasks, goes, hey, man, you've got loose hardware, so we're going to remove and replace it. Now, this particular surgery, I was, I was incoherent from pain, even with morphine. So this particular surgery was done on Election Day 2016. Now, I want to preface a couple things. I wasn't paying attention to the, you know, uh, presidential race. I had just moved into a new house in May, and I was setting that up, and this accident happened in August. Okay, so what I'm going to mention has nothing to do with a preferential candidate or anything. It was just so unlikely. Okay, so, um, because I, I honestly, um, this will be apparent as you listen to this series, I've been away from the world, away from news, in hospitals, you know, in situations where I really am just like playing catch-up. So, they, they whisked me off for this surgery. Now, it had taken a long time. It was I woke up. Like back in my room, and it was about two o'clock in the morning, the morning after election day, so to speak. And the nurses are cheering and shit. And I go, What's going on? They go, Trump won. I said, Wait, what the fuck? I said, What is, you know, 
are you sure there's um the uh, it you know is am I awake? Am I real? I thought there was a problem with the anesthesia. I had to have several people like the day after confirm, but th- there was there was part of me, and there's still part of me that thinks that I died in that surgery. And ever since then, it's been this weird outer darkness, purgatory, whatever you want to call it. I'm trapped in some kind of painful spirit world. So after that surgery, you know, my brother came down from Colorado to look after me. Uh, when it seemed like, you know, after a week and a half, this might be okay, he, he booked. I uh, Just when it came time to, to recover... Boom. Everything started going south after about three weeks. Now, in parallel to this, I'm losing like weight like crazy. And this is this is after the, the hardware removal. First surgery was the fusion. This is the second surgery. Remove and replace the hardware. And things are just horrific all over. All just bad everywhere. I just, to sum it up, just bad, man. And I go in to see this this second surgeon, and he's like, "Nah, man, you're not gonna get any painkillers." I'm like, "Dude, we've been we've been through this. We've been through this. It took him forever to take me seriously. Took him forever. I mean, I was delusional. I would lose track of days. I would lose track of where I was. In addition to pain, I wasn't able to move, and I was falling down everywhere, man." And so they tell me, oh, the hardware is loose again. But we can't do anything because my blood work was coming back all messed up. And my perception of these, this particular clinic was they were always kind of like pointing the finger. Anytime I came in there with an issue, oh, you're pushing it. Oh, you're not working hard enough. Oh, you did it. It was never listened to me. They were just always quick on the defensive, you know. And so it was hard to get them to just like hear me because they're always just kind of like trying to gaslight me, you know. So I'm starting to lose weight like crazy. Now, this time I find out my daughter goes away on Thanksgiving 2016. I lived in Norman, Oklahoma to go see her mom in Dallas over the Thanksgiving holiday. She was 16. Up until that time, our relationship was great. And I made my mistakes as a parent, but I was, I'm a, you know, was a loving, you know, and anyway. And I, I don't blame anybody. I, I own this, okay, because I'll, I'll start, I, there's a lot of things I didn't see. But at the time, I got, I felt like this was out of nowhere. That my honest... My honest perception was at the time she comes back from this thing, absolutely hates me. I don't want to get into a lot of it, tit for tat. And it broke my heart, some of the things she told me. And the, uh, because I love her very much, she means everything to me. And ever since that day, I, I really, you know, haven't had her back normal in my life. She's been angry with me ever since. And I've been trying to correct whatever it is. But it's hard when you can't do the dad stuff you used to be able to do. You're, you're kind of helpless. You know, that's hard. I regret that I didn't see the things that made my daughter so angry all those years. I had no idea, no inclination. She never told me anything until she came back from that Thanksgiving. It was night and day. And I haven't been able to do right ever since. I've tried the best I've had, but I've also failed. And we'll talk about that later on. 
So, daughter told me she didn't want to live with me anymore. I'm like, okay. So, in the middle of her junior year, she only got to school in Norman. She's going to move to Dallas to live with her mom and now her stepdad, which drives me crazy, to, uh, you know, go to school. And I'm like, God, to leave school in the middle of their junior year, she's got to fucking hate me. Now, too long, you know, she would wind up coming back to spend her senior year. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell a lot of my daughter's stories, but this was the one-two punch. Okay, so let's kind of assess what's going on. I've got a declined workman's comp case. In that, you know, the write-up that was in there, you know, the my employer said some pretty mean things about me. It's business, but I'm like, okay, now my my employer hates me. Um, my once what I thought golden career is done. There's just no way I can recover from getting hurt at work and filing a work. There's just no way. I'm in senior management. There's just no way. It's apparent that they're trying to run me off. So my job and career are shit. My finances are shit because I'm not unable to go to work. So there's no income coming in. My health, which as we discussed, is shit. My social life is shit because I have no social life. And now my family, my 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 one, it that's it. My daughter is it. You know I don't have that, and it's not fair to her at all. This was the first foray into all quadrants of my life being total shit. Now I've learned how to handle that, but this was the first time. And it was, it was a lot for me to handle. With the pain and everything, I started wasting away. Once again, prior to the accident, I was almost 5'11", 172 pounds. At this time, I was about 5'9", and I got down to 130 pounds. They threw me in the hospital for observation over... I was in the hospital. From, from Christmas, New Year's. I'm not able to go to work, so it doesn't matter. But now we got medical bills piling up. And basically the plan is if they shot me up with steroids, it would clear my sciatica up for about a day. You know, but you can't do that every day. But it was just, you know, hey, try to find a way to deal with this. I'm wasting away. Losing weight like crazy. And uh, it is it is a dark time. So, we're now getting into January. I'm not working. My daughter's not there. Unable to take care of myself. No income coming in. Just you name it, okay? My mom comes down, thank God, to take care of me. And she would stay with me quite some time. And I would get scheduled for what I thought was going to be my final surgery. I was told that the fusion work that they did held. It was just loose hardware was the only problem. So they just pop in there, pull out that loose hardware, all that sciatica and bolts moving, that pain would be gone. Everything else was 100% stable. So I'm like thinking, good God, if I could just make it to this, I could, uh, you know, maybe get back to work, da-da-da-da-da, and, uh, you know, you know, recoup from all this. So they scheduled a surgery, because I'm going to close out this episode here, because the next surgery is going to be a very interesting chapter. They scheduled the surgery just to remove the hardware. 
uh, February, somewhere like mid, like 12th or whatever. I forget the exact date, but it was 2017, mid-ish February. And going into the morning of the surgery, I'll leave you at this, going into the morning of the surgery, the entire time, it was you're not eating right, you're not following directions. It was always something I was doing because my blood work, my protein, it was all out of whack. The morning of my surgery... I was 105 pounds. I was dying, man. Absolutely dying. I had times when I it was just absolutely horrific. My mom didn't wasn't there to look after me. I would have died. When we do episode four in this series, we'll talk about that surgery and life going forward after that surgery. But there's a lot of ground because that's when it goes really crazy so this is the art of floundering podcast you can find us on youtube twitter facebook instagram as well as podbeam or wherever you download your favorite podcast look forward to seeing everyone around campus so to speak from parts unknown colorado this is will dick from the art of floundering podcast Wishing each and every one of you nothing but peace and love. This concludes another episode from the Art of Floundering podcast. We hope that you will like, follow, subscribe, and review. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Podbeam, or wherever you download your super-duper peachy keen favorite podcast. On behalf of the Art of Floundering podcast, I want to wish each and every one of you nothing but peace and love.